What is up, goalies? We are back with another episode of the Goal Line, talking the put, putting the bow on Week Eight here in the NFL. We're watching the Giants and the Raiders. Jordan, what is going on, man? Oh, you know, just another night. I I really didn't think that goalies thing was going to stick, but it appears you're going to try to make it stick, huh? <laughs> I mean, have we come up with something better, dude? No. I kind of like it, dude. I kind of like the goalies. I was still just workshopping it. That was the first time I really busted it out to see how it felt. I, I very rarely go back and listen to any of our podcasts, but I, I might go back and listen to this one just to see how it sounds. And you guys let us know, man. I didn't. We got we got some solid feedback on the show last week, but didn't hear uh, didn't hear much about the actual goalies thing. So let us know if y'all like being referred to as the goalies. Um, it's really ironic, man. We're just coming off a of Jared Goff pick six. Uh, we had we were. We were pre-gaming and we were saying, you know, as close as this Lions-Raiders game was looking at halftime, we were thinking we were probably a Jimmy G turnover away from the Lions blowing it open. But now it looks like we're going to have a good one to kind of keep an eye on as we discuss everything from from week eight. Yeah, it, uh, it's an interesting game, no no doubt. I was, I'm surprised it's this close, but, you know, with Jared Goff and, and uh, Garoppolo, you're only about two seconds away from an exciting play for either team. Yeah, I, to me, the Lions still just can't be trusted. As good as they've looked this year, it's it's something. I think it's something in the walls there in Detroit, man. It's just baked in the the uh, all, you know danger is around every corner. You think it's just like seeping through the walls? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's in the paint or something there. I don't know, man. It's just yeah, they've just it's there's just been so much losing there over the last thirty years. A lot of great players, man. I mean, dude, you had. You had Barry Sanders. Think think about this, man. As crappy as the Lions have been, they've had a running back who has got a very strong case for his best running back of all time. And they had a wide receiver who's at least got, you know, he's got his name in the hat for best wide receiver of all time. And they've still never done shit. Yeah, you really got to feel kind of feel for them. I mean, it's just it's one of those things like, dude, they just no matter what they do, you can never feel confident going into a Lions game like the entire other team could have like crashed into the mountains the day before, and you still don't know if you're going to feel good about them winning. <laughs> I mean, dude, think about this, dude. Just as as general fans, we're not Detroit fans at all, man. We're just general, you know, fans of the game of football. They have robbed us of years of Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. Both of those guys went out at you know if they weren't at their absolute peak, they were damn well close to it, and they both retired because they just got sick of the freaking losing. Yeah, dude. Poor Lions fans, man. <laughs> dude, I, I, All right, I feel this is, for them. Yeah, definitely, man. This is not a uh, a Lions exclusive podcast, so we're going to be talking everything in the NFL with a little sprinkle of college action. Uh, Jordan, before we get into it, remind the listeners where they can find us on social media. So you can find us on Twitter, X, at goal underscore line underscore pod. And then you can find us on Instagram at the goal line football show. And want to say appreciate all you guys that have migrated over from the Chick Foley show feeds. You know, we love all our Foley fan, but it's been nice seeing the numbers going up on the exclusive feed week after week. So thank you guys for showing love. Continue to, uh, you know, share this with your friends. Let them know if you're looking for an easy listen, uh, you know, a little bit of humor sprinkled in. And, and if you're a wrestling fan, we, tr- we try to get some wrestling references in as well. Uh, just, you know, send your friends a, a link because we're, we're proud of what we're doing and we think they'll like it. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, the kind of secret sauce of this show, we're got to be damn near the first 
podcast out because this thing is dropping literally within 15, 20 minutes of Monday Night Football ending. So if you're looking for a recap for the week of football, I think that's one angle we definitely got you covered on being the uh, the first to, to get live on all the feeds. Yeah, we uh we do our best to get it out right away. And I mean, shit, a lot of times you're getting this with live reaction right after the game gets it, right as the game's getting over too. So it's not like it's just everything from Sunday. Like a lot of times you're getting our live reaction on the end of the Monday night game. So yeah, it's it's I think it's cool. And I, I've got some feedback on that that everybody thinks it's cool when we mention the Monday night game as it's going on. So yeah, and we'll kind of, you know, just as a little thank you for all the the love and support we've gotten so far, I'll go in with the cat out of the bag. The goal line is going to be year round. So we haven't exactly figured out what we're going to do once the NFL wraps up after the Super Bowl. We're thinking maybe do like a bi-weekly type thing where we, you know, you know, just do a wrap up of all the big NFL stories for the past couple of weeks, but also, you know, tie in some, some other sports coverage, but, but this thing's going to keep going. So don't, you know, don't feel like you got to jump ship as soon as, uh, as soon as the Super Bowl wraps up, this is going to be a year round thing. We're having a ton of fun of doing it. And, you know, all the love and support we get from you guys just helps kind of fuel the fire. So, so thanks a lot for that. Uh, Jordan, we got any other housekeeping or are you ready to get into the week in football? Uh, I'm ready to talk some football. Well, there is no better place to start than this. The Broncos beat the Chiefs yesterday for the first time in eight (laughs) years. And, okay, so I was listening to the radio on my way home from work today. Yes, we do do um, some some, uh, cross-promotion and thinking about uh, or listening to other shows. But somebody, like, kind of pointed it out how well Russell Wilson is playing this year. And I, I, I know you had mentioned it a couple weeks ago. But he's got a better touchdown to interception ratio than Mahomes right now. So as of right now, Russell Wilson is 16 touchdowns to four interceptions, and Mahomes is 15 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So I don't know, man. And and you mentioned it yesterday, dude. When when she's not in the house, we're not going to mention her name. But when the <laughs> when the celebrity's not in the house, this team does not look the same, man. Like it, it just doesn't. For some reason, the game just doesn't feel like they care about it unless she's there. Um, and Kelsey's averaging like sixty yards less a game when she's not in the house. So I don't know, man. Something to it, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I talked about it on our first debut episode. My football career flamed out, uh, you know, after high school. But I definitely remember even through middle, through junior high and high school, dude, if I if I had a girlfriend, especially if it was a brand new girlfriend, like if it was my first game with a new girlfriend in the stands, I, I always balled out. I want to make sure my name was getting called out on the PA system, you know, as much as possible. So I can kind of, you know, I think that's just something universal amongst dudes. Uh, no matter if you're, you know, down in junior high or up in the the NFL, um, Russell Wilson is he's playing very efficient, man. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. If you look at the the yards per attempt and the actual yards per game, it's pretty low volume. I think they're, you know, I think Sean Payton's just got him playing a very conservative style of offense. But you saw it yesterday, dude. He only had I think 120 something yards passing, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, man. No, aside from a lost fumble no big mistakes and he's playing good. It's it's really the defense that has let them down this year, man. Russell Wilson's been, he's been good. He hasn't been like 2015 Russell Wilson or anything like that, but he's been good. Uh, It's been the defense that's let him down so far, but you know, I felt like yesterday was a season saving win, man. The vibes were very negative coming out of Denver, especially as much shit as Sean Payton was talking in the off season. 
you know, they gave up 70 to the uh, Dolphins, but this, I mean, the, the Chiefs had basically a freaking perfect season going against the Broncos at this point, 16-0. and 0. Uh, And, you know, to, to put it in perspective, dude, the, the starting quarterback for the Broncos, the last time they beat the Chiefs prior to this was Peyton Manning. Um, Obama was still in office the last time that the, the Broncos beat the Chiefs. So I, it really felt like this was, you know, if nothing else happens, they can at least hang their hat on this for year one of Sean Payton. They finally beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So that was my thing with the Broncos the first couple weeks. Like they were trying to be something they're not. Like we're not getting, like you said, we're not getting Russell Wilson, a uh, uh, Super Bowl MVP Russell Wilson. They don't need that Russell Wilson. They just need to like slow down the game, make it a slog, make it an ugly game. Like that's how they're going to win. They can't have their defense on the field for 45 minutes. They need to control the clock. That's the only way they're going to win. And they just uglied that game up yesterday. And, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I am a tad concerned about the Chiefs offense at this point. I mean, I know they just had that really good game. And usually when I mention this, the Chiefs go off the next week. So congratulations to Chiefs fans and Chiefs <laughs> fancy owners this week if they go off. It's been very – it's been less than impressive, though, for sure. I mean, like, usually a Mahomes-led offense, you're, you're expecting some fireworks every week, and I, I feel like we're getting fireworks, like, once every three games. Now, granted, they do play the Dolphins this week, so I got a feeling it's coming this week, but I don't know, man. There's there's something behind that. There, we said it a couple weeks ago. Their defense is the reason they are defense the record. Defense is awesome, man. I mean, you wonder if maybe – they made a, a philosophy change on building the team. Typically in the NFL, you go strength on strength, right? Like if you got a really good defense, you continue to just add on the defense. You got a really good offense, you continue to add on the offense and just hope it carries you through. But may, I'm thinking maybe they're going like Patriots Tom Brady route where they're like, you know what, Mahomes is good enough that nine times out of ten, we'll be able to get it done on offense, even if it's not spectacular. And let's just load up everywhere else because the defense is awesome. They got one of the best defenses in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, outside of Travis Kelsey, who are you scared of on the chiefs? That, and that's my thing. Like I get what you're saying makes sense, but dude, does it not seem like I, I know Mahomes is going to make everyone around him better, but doesn't the smart choice seem like getting him another, like really good weapon, like using a first round pick on a receiver yeah. or something like that would be the smartest choice for them at this point. I mean, Jesus, when's the hell's the last time they used a first round pick on a offensive player? Clyde Edwards a layer? Yeah, it, I I really think, man, it's like they know that Mahomes is going to be good enough because, dude, if you look at their receiving core, I mean, there's a little bit of juice there, but pound for pound, they have probably one of the worst groups of receivers in the NFL, at least from a talent standpoint. Yeah, so th that's my thing. They're going to come into a game where, th where their defense is not going to play well and they're going to have to outscore someone. And like you just said, outside of Kelsey, who's scaring you on that offense? Dude, double triple Kelsey and make Kadarius Tony not catch the ball like I don't know I just got a feeling when it gets to crunch time like and somebody's thinking all right man we gotta shut this offense down like you're doubling or tripling Kelsey and making everybody else beat you because I'm sorry man Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony and those guys ain't scaring me off the field yeah they're not I think the uh you know, it, the thing is, dude, it's when you get down two scores or something like they were yesterday, you don't got the Tyreek Hill 
that can get you a touchdown, you know, on a one or two play drive, man. I think they're having to manufacture points. And if you can keep the game close, yeah, dude, my money's on Patrick Mahomes to make a play yeah. in the two-minute drill. Like he, even with the flu, stat line didn't look great, but, you know, and he was run. I think the O-line kind of let him down a little bit yesterday, but he was running around making crazy throws. I mean, even Sheena was kind of just half-assed watching the game. She was walking through. There was a couple of times where she saw some of those throws he was making on scrambles and said, wow, you know, and it, it takes a ton to impress her with some NFL action nowadays. Um, but, but yeah, dude, they, I, I definitely think they, they're, they're not the odds on favorite for me coming out of the AFC anymore, man. They, they look, they looked really good since week one. I'm, it's definitely a little bit sketchy just off of that offense, man. Yeah. I'm interested to see that game this weekend. And I still, it's such a shame that game's in Germany, man. It's just, Cause it makes it a wild card, dude. You never know. That's that's a long ass trip, dude. I've done some of those cross oceanic travels before, dude. And no lie, it takes it. It really. I'm sure these guys are flying first class, chartered and stuff, man. So it's a little bit different, but still, just it's very stressful on your body, dude. And you just feel out of whack for a little bit. So you don't know how the teams are going to respond. Just breaking up their normal routine. I feel like there's not going to be a ton we can take away from this game, regardless of who wins. You know, it does suck that. You'd rather see this on like a Sunday night football, right? Yeah, it's sad. But the good thing is, though, dude, we we get a banger of a Sunday night game, too. So I'm not too mad. You're going to start the day off with an excellent game, and you're going to finish the day with an excellent game. So I'm not too mad. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the international games, but I do like waking up and having football on the TV as soon as I get up. It's always nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Got anything else on Broncos, Chiefs? No, shout out to the Broncos, man. And also, whoever's running the Broncos social media, I love that they reposted the the video of, you know, with Brock and the under, you know, Brock and then the streak against the Undertaker at WrestleMania with the uh, the Broncos and Chiefs logos on there. So that was a lot of fun, man, because, yeah, I mean, dude, that, that was a hellified streak the Chiefs had against them. That is really freaking impressive. I mean, they really hadn't lost hardly any games against the AFC West in like eight years. I want to see, yeah, I think I saw some stat that was maybe the first road game that Patrick Mahomes has lost against the AFC West team. Like the Chiefs dominance of that division has been ridiculous. And that division has been pretty down over the, you know, the Chargers have always had a lot of talent, but they're chronic underachievers and the Raiders and Broncos have really been a mess. You know, the Broncos really haven't been able to get it together since Peyton Manning retired. Um, but still, either way, it's the NFL and they're still, you know, it's still tough going out and getting victories over pros every Sunday. Absolutely. All right, uh, second topic. Let's. I'm gonna let you you talk about your boy. Let's uh let, <laughs> let's talk about Will Levis and the pathetic effort the Falcons put up yesterday. We can. I gotta we, ask, dude. So because I'm still I'm still thinking like it's gonna happen. Do you think he's gonna be the first active player to get inducted into the Hall of Fame? All right, let's relax a little here. <laughs> hey man, you want to know a, a crazy stat, dude? This is something that. Uh, you know, it makes it 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 really kind of sent chills up my spine as a as an adopted Titans fan. There have been three NFL quarterbacks that threw four touchdown passes in their first uh, first career start. One was Fran Tarkenton, legendary uh, quarterback for the Vikings, led them to a few Super Bowls back in the day. The other, Marcus Mariota. Oof. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Mariota had as good a debut as you could ever hope for. So, you know, I'm to quote Bill Parcells, I'm not getting out the anointing oil just yet. Even more than the four touchdown passes, which were a ton of fun, dude, and they were super impressive, man. He was 
it was to open receivers, but he was dropping dimes on those deep balls. And that last, the last one was really impressive, man. The first two to DeAndre Hopkins were whatever, but that last deep ball was a hell of a throw. Um, but I was just impressed with the poise, man. He looked, he looked like he was playing very confident. You know, uh, we've seen Malik Willis get in the last couple of years and look like it's his first time playing the game of football when he, when he drops back. Uh, and you've seen that with other quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks with much higher pedigrees than Malik Willis. They just look nervous and a little bit shaky. Um, I thought he was just playing very confident and in control. And it's just nice to have something going at quarterback. You know, we really haven't had that since Ryan Tannehill got injured uh, in the middle of last season, man, having a little bit of juice from that position. So I'm excited to see what he does, man. Uh, it's going to be a fun game Thursday night in Pittsburgh. Uh, that'll be the real test, man, because anybody can do it once. Uh, but after a defensive coordinators, you know, they got they got some film on you, can break down what you want to do. I'm really excited to see what he does in week two. And at least it's at least something. We got something happening at quarterback now. Yeah, he was he was definitely good. Um, like we, we me and you had talked yesterday about like the Falcons and their blown coverages on a couple of those D hop ones. Yeah, like it's, it's wide open guys. You don't see that very often. There was something going on on defense yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely something to be excited about. The only thing that scares me is Rabel's loyalty to Tannehill. And if he puts him back in, I dude. told you, dude, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't shock me one bit, man. Even today, they, at the press conference, he said that if Tannehill can't go, they're going to start Will Levis, man. Like, I mean, Rabel's a hell of a coach. If he's got a fatal flaw, he's very, very loyal to his vets. And I think that's why the team plays so hard for him. Um, but that's just a double-edged sword because, dude, like Tannehill, tough son of a bitch, man. Salute. Honestly, he's a Titans legend at this point for how he turned around that franchise on that three-year run. or I mean, really three and a half years, dude. It was from 2019 till the middle of last year. Um, but he's just cooked now, man. Too many injuries, too much, too many years playing behind a subpar O-line has, has caught up to him. So, yeah, it's let Will Levis go. Let him get some playing time under his belt. There's no reason we need to see Tannehill on the field again. Um, speaking of people, we don't ever need to see on the field again. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I, <laughs> after that, what's g- the word, man? Cause there was a little bit of stuff like, was he injured? Was it a coach's decision? What's, what's the deal with uh Ritter for this week? Well, he got evaluated for a concussion and apparently he passed the test, but they said he didn't get benched for performance. It was health. And then after the game, everybody was going out of their way to say, this is still Desmond Ritter's team, which is extremely concerning to me because after what I watched from Taylor Heineke in the second half, I don't know how you could go back to Ritter. He was spreading the ball around. The craziest thing, too, is Drake London went out in the middle of all that, and it didn't seem like the offense missed a beat, really. Um, no. So, I don't know, man. I just feel like the weapons the Falcons have, they owe it to the team to put in a quarterback that can stretch the yeah. field. Like, dude... <sighs> It just pisses me off watching Kyle Pitts block. This I was almost at my breaking point yesterday. No, I was. I correct myself. I was at my breaking point yesterday. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just just for anyone who did not see this game yesterday. So the Titans turn it over because they bring in Malik Willis, who cannot hold on to the ball. He fumbles the first play he's in. The Falcons get it back immediately. Get it into the red zone. They take Bijan and Drake London off the field. They have a three tight end set, and Jonu Smith is in the backfield lined up next to Ritter. They pitch Jonu Smith the ball, and he throws a pass to our third string tight end 
but and Kyle Pitts is blocking on the play. Like, dude, I get it. Your stars can't be involved in every play. They they're not gonna make a play every time. You at least have to give them a chance. You're throwing a jump ball to a third string tight end when you have a freak like Kyle Pitts on the field. And what the hell are you throwing a tight end pass for? Like, in what world did they ever practice Jonu Smith throwing a touchdown pass? I just, I think Arthur I told Smith you, man, thinks he, coach, he's, he coaches like he's trying to unlock achievements on Xbox or PlayStation. It's just, it's so dumb and it's so frustrating to watch. This team is not bad. Like, they have a ton of talent. It's just the coach has no idea what he's doing and how to use it. And it's just. <sighs> I don't know, man. A- after the game yesterday when he started talking about Desmond Ritter again, I'm just, dude, what are we doing? This dude was a third-round pick. It's not like you wasted a first-round pick on him and he's just a bust now. Like, you burnt a third-round pick on him. Just let it go at this point. Like, what what are we doing? Like, Yeah, he- man, dude, Heineke's good, man. Heineke was always solid with, the, with Washington, man. Like, he's never going to be an all-pro, but he plays tough and – you know, I'm a big believer in the intangibles at the quarterback position, dude. Like, you can lift the rest of your team up with that, man. Um, you know, we always talk about Super Bowl 51, dude. I think the biggest thing that the, re- the reason the Patriots won that game is because everybody else on the Patriots believed, hey, we got Tom Brady, we got a chance, man. You know, I think just having that confidence and like that, you know, I guess, you know, that swagger, man. Um, it's something that can lift it up. And, dude, the Falcons were a different team. I mean, it, that game, that was a, a really fun, entertaining game down the stretch. And it wouldn't have been the case, dude. If I, I have no doubt. If Ritter, if Ritter would have played, it would have been a blowout, man, because they just would have not done jack shit on offense. Ritter plays scared. It, it's just frustrating, too, because – all right, so here we are, the second season in a row. The, this is the second season in a row after eight games. The Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. They are tied. Well, they're in the division lead right now because of their division record. So they're leading the division after eight weeks. And now they got Minnesota coming into town, who is an easily winnable game now. They're going to be starting a fifth-round quarterback unless they make some sort of move uh, before the trade deadline tomorrow. And then after that, you got Arizona coming into town. Like, Or no, you go to Arizona. I mean, if you're not six and four at the bye, you have no one to blame but yourself. Like those are two really winnable games. And then I mean, shit, the second half of the schedule is like, dude, they got the Bears, they got the Colts. I mean, they got a ton of winnable games down the stretch. They'll run through the NFC South, which every game is whether it's home or away, they could beat the Falcons should be able to beat every other team in the NFC South, man. Like they they got a very, very talented roster, dude. It's just what are you gonna get from that QB position week to week? Oh, God, it's frustrating. I mean, I can't help but still have some emotional attachment to him, dude. Um, and yeah, like, you know, Heineke, man, like, let's go, dude. I, you know, I was in Virginia the last three years, so I lived in VA amongst all the, the DC faithful um, during the, the Heineke era, dude. And even them, like, they were all about it, dude. They were all, you know, a lot of the, the, the Redskins slash commanders slash football team fans that I was friends with were pissed when they went and got Carson Wentz because they were like, dude, Heineke can ball. I mean, Go back and watch 2020, dude, that year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl. The team that gave them the biggest fight in the playoffs was uh, the was Washington, dude. They gave him a hell of a freaking game, dude. And go, Heineke was balling out that game, man. Like, he got hurt and came back in, had some awesome scrambles. Like, yeah, like, this dude can play. Yeah, it's, it's really frustrating for me to watch. I mean, they're just wasting a talented team. And the problem is, is they're so young. 
and yeah, it's just it's it's frustrating. Um, let's go into let's talk about the Vikings. Man, dude, I I have Tragic. never felt worse for somebody, dude. Watching him hobble off the field, you knew what it was the minute he ran when he got. Yeah, the you field. could tell. We've seen yeah. enough Achilles injuries between football and basketball. Like we can we can spot him now. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. Um, they were really turning around too, man. Like I I want to say like it was. Uh, I can't remember if I sent it or if I said I was about to send it because me and Jordan we pretty much text back back and forth constantly on NFL Sundays. We were like, dude, the Vikings are going to be a force because, you know, they were very slow out the gate, had some really tough beats, um, but they were turning around looking really tough without Justin Jefferson, you know, so it looked like they were really gearing up. Like, you know, we're, we got this thing turned around, we're getting back to 500, and now you're about to pour some Justin Jefferson fire on top of us, man. Um, and yeah, now it looks dead in the water. I don't even really think there's a quarterback out there that they could go and get to still have a shot. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah, there, there, was, there is. Who? Let's hear it. Jameis Winston, man. <laughs> telling you dude it's gonna happen i mean it's I gonna it, happen dude. is there any but i mean we've said on here dude you guys know me and jordan are both Jameis fans dude like that dude he's he's the like i wouldn't say he's the poor man's brett Favre. i think he's like a homeless man's brett Favre. but he gives you a puncher's chance dude it, at least you're gonna go down swinging right there's nothing worse than when you just got a gimpy quarterback who's not taking any chances and you're just gonna have a pitiful effort dude if Jameis is going down he's going down crashing and burning I saw a couple of things about that today. There was a couple of rumors floating out there that um, Justin Jefferson wanted them to trade for him. So I don't know, man. I guess we'll see. If they don't trade for a quarterback, give me a percentage chance that Jefferson actually plays again this year. Because, dude, there's no way Justin Jefferson's trotting out there for Jaron Hall. There's just yeah, why there's no it, way. Dude? There's why? no way. He's 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 your franchise at this point, man. I think. Yeah, if if they don't end up making a move, because if they don't, it's a wash, man. Like, I mean, you know, I guess there's at least a you know one percent chance this fifth round guy that none of us have ever heard about catches lightning in a bottle. But I don't see that happening. Um, I think if you're Minnesota and if, if you're not making a play for another quarterback, I think the rest of the season is about evaluating everybody else you get, get Justin Jefferson back to hundred percent, and do some real soul searching and ask yourself if if we're going to reinvest another contract in Kirk Cousins, man, because he's a free, you know, he's out of there after this year if they don't re-sign him. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I, I haven't heard, I haven't heard any buzz on Jameis Winston getting traded. It seems like the Saints really like having him on the roster down there. I know there was some Kyler Murray buzz earlier this year that the, the Cardinals may be willing to listen to offers to him, um, but it seems like that's kind of died down. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're not going to trade for Ryan Tannehill. I just don't think there's anybody that's going to walk through that door. That's going to give them a shot the rest of the season. Yeah. They are not in a good place either way. I'll, I'll say that they're, they're definitely going to, like you said, they're going to need to do a lot of evaluating as the season goes on. Cause I mean, your number one priority is keeping Justin Jefferson healthy. Everything else is secondary at that point. Like it, cause if you lose him, I, I mean, what do you have to sell tickets at that point? Like he, he is your franchise. So yeah, they have to do whatever they have to do to keep him happy. So, but yeah, you you know, you guys heard it here first, man. I think after yesterday, Kirk cousins going down with a debilitating injury, Uh, Zach Wilson leads a super dramatic comeback, takes the jets down the field in less than 24 seconds to send it to OT and then gets the dub. (laughs) 
we're one step closer. Aaron Rodgers, starting quarterback for the Vikings, 2024 opening day. It's going to happen, dude. I told Jordan, dude, the, the Vikings side of the equation is done, dude. We got Kirk's injured. You know what you got in Kirk. He's really good, but not great. Probably going to end up letting you down when when it gets to nut cutting time. Um, I just think it, the, it, what we need to have happen, we need to have Zach Wilson go up, like, I think, two more levels, dude. If we can get two more levels out of Zach Wilson – to make it undeniable to go back to, you know, a 40 year old dude coming off an injury. And instead of keeping Zach Wilson in there, I think we see the uh, Aaron Rodgers go back to the Vikings just to, just to spite the Packers for a couple more years. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about one more game and we're going to talk about both sides of it. Let's talk Bengals Niners. Um, the Bengals obviously do this same thing every year, which yeah, I, I, I don't, we, said it. We've been, we were telling y'all start of the season. Don't, don't write the Bengals off as bad as it looked. Um, so yeah, I think they're completely fine at this point. Um, the Niners though, dude, three pretty bad losses in a row. I mean, you lost yeah. to PJ Walker against Cleveland and I want to say something about Cleveland because Seth had gave me shit about Cleveland. <laughs> Dude, and I heard it on the radio from three different people today. That team is literally decent quarterback play away from being like a Super Bowl contender because that defense is – they have a loaded roster. Like, I was watching that yeah. game yesterday. I mean, bro, they gave – Dude, the Seahawks are a good team, dude. The, C- the Seahawks are no joke. I think they have been like – Whatever is below under the radar, that's what the Seahawks have been this year. They have gotten absolutely no attention, but the Seahawks are good. I mean, they're in first place in the NFC West at, yeah. at the midpoint. Um, and the Browns gave the Seahawks all the smoke they wanted, dude. Like, the Seahawks barely got out of that game with a dub yesterday. So, yeah, man. the the I give Jordan shit for just, you know, he, I, the Falcons are his team, but I feel like he gets another, like, a team he gets a crush on every season. And this year it seems like it's the Browns. But, no, the Browns can ball, dude. Like, if they get – if Deshaun Watson can get you know anything up above what PJ uh, PJ's given them, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, um, but let's go back to the Niners and Niners. Uh, yeah, losing to the Browns, then getting just destroyed on Monday Night Football by the Vikings offense, and then man, dude, they just got bitched yesterday against the Bengals. Like the Bengals did whatever they wanted to on offense yesterday. I, yeah, it's not looking good, dude. We, we're, you know, we've officially the the honeymoon period is over for Brock Purdy. You know, he had basically the absolute storybook start of his career. We're gonna see how he bounces back, dude. He's had you know multiple picks uh, last few games. Debo's been out. I think the big thing is just that the Niners' offense is really, really good, but they're built on like tough guys and just punching you in the face and executing really, really well. They don't necessarily have that game-breaking receiving threat. You know, Christian McCaffrey obviously is awesome at running back, but their offense is really kind of horizontal-based, and I feel like the when they get down, when they get behind, um, the, the defenses can just really tighten up, and it's like, you know, boa constrictor. There's just nowhere for Brock Purdy to turn to to throw the ball. Uh, so they're they're like when they got the lead, they're probably the toughest team in the league, but when they, when they fall down and kind of get out of the script that they want to follow for the game, they really, really struggle. I'm not going to go too hard on Brock Purdy. I don't think he's played exceptionally well the last four weeks. I think everybody would agree with that. What the hell happened to their defense is the real question. I, Dude, I haven't even heard Bosa's name in the last three games. Like, I don't know what the hell happened to their defense, but their defense is just getting shredded at this point. 
Yeah, they're still a, a I, I, you know, again, three game losing streaks, never something to to brush off. I do think the Niners are still a really tough team. But the problem is, man, you would like to see them have home field advantage. You know, they've they've played the NFC championship on the road the last two seasons. Um, and it's at this point, it's looking like they're they're You know, they may not end up winning the division. They may end up being a wild card team. Um, but it definitely is looking like, you know, home field throughout the playoffs is starting to fade a little bit unless they can get it turned around very, very quickly. Um, so I think it's going to be another tough road for them to go. But this is a battle tested team. I'm not going to write them off either. Uh, but yeah, the defense just really everything, man. The whole team needs to step it up because they were looking like world beaters, you know, that that first five games, especially after they crushed the a really strong Cowboys team on Sunday night football. But it's not been much to be excited about the last last month or so. So. Bosa's played every game this season. Um, he has 22 combined tackles and three sacks in eight games. Not great. Dude, and you all. just paid him to be – he's the highest paid defensive player in the league, and if that's the production you're getting, like, I don't know, man. I don't feel good about their chances if that's what you're getting out of him. You got any pressure stats or anything? Is he is – because he, I – I haven't me watching it, and I do keep an eye on the Niners. I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan. I haven't, I don't, I haven't seen any evidence that it's a case where he's really getting a ton of pressure, but just not quite getting the sacks. Because sometimes that's the thing. Um, it seems like this dude's just not really. He hasn't been as productive as as you would expect the last couple of weeks. I mean, I saw him a couple of times yesterday get some edge pressure and made uh, Burrow step into the pocket, and they got a sack out of it, but. I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like he's getting to the quarterback, though. And like, I mean, if his if his uh, highlights are getting the quarterback to step into the pocket and somebody else getting a sack, like, yeah, that's helping. But I mean, is that really what you paid the guy for? And he was getting single blocked a lot yesterday, too. I noticed. I'm like, dude, Miles Garrett takes on triple teams. Aaron Donald takes on triple teams, and they're still getting to the quarterback. Dude, I watched two plays. Well, it was one series, and Aaron Donald got triple teamed twice and got to the quarterback and got a sack both times. Like, I, I just – I don't know, man. Maybe Bosa got paid and just doesn't give a shit anymore. I don't know. It, I mean, it, <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case because he has been pretty good. He's got – so I, I got the stats pulled up now, dude. He He's come out and said that the holdout has really held him back. He does have. He's got the fourth most QB pressures in the league. He's got thirty five okay. pressures so far this season, just not getting home. But yeah, he's he's an impact player though. Like you said, you know the pressures are great. That's an awesome stat to have. But you're not paying him to just make pressures. You're paying him to get like strip sacks and change the game. Yeah, maybe I'm too hard on him, but dude, okay. No, I don't think so. The dude got the biggest contract in NFL defensive history, man. I don't think you're being too hard on him now. Are, is the the bar is set sky high for him for sure, but that's the pressure you're accepting when you take a contract like that. Here's the other thing. Okay, so yeah, the the pressures are all great and everything, and he, he said the holdout definitely affected him. Again, only you could have controlled that that situation, and you this is what you chose to do, dude. These guys are never gonna learn, man. These holdouts and like sitting out games and stuff. All it does is hurt you, like. Did nobody learn anything from Le'Veon Bell? Like, yeah, I think he would have got the and dude. He's been such a good player for the Niners. He would have gotten the contract regardless, dude. I don't think the holdout added anything to his negotiating strategy, man. Like, if you got a good agent, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, the Niners have shown that I don't. The Niners don't have any type of reputation as a team that like 
screws over their vets or or doesn't pay out for production, man. The Niners take care of their players very, very well. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, dude. The holdout is very unless it's it very rarely works out, man. No. Okay. Um I I want to hit on this just briefly. I I uh, realized today that we've only got four weeks of college football left, regular season. Boy, that's depressing. I know, man. I've enjoyed getting back into college football this year. Um, We haven't hit on it in a while, and everybody always asks us to talk about them. So we're going to do two quick hitters. Colorado, dude, I don't think they're going to win another game this season. Like, <laughs> it has, you can tell it's gotten to them now. Like, I, I noticed on – Saturday night, a lot of guys were hanging their heads. And, dude, Dion has no idea how to make any in-game adjustments. Chip Kelly came out in the second half and just had a plan, and they just executed it, and Dion had no idea what to do. I don't think Dion – I've said it before, dude. I don't think Dion's a game-day coach, man. I think Dion is a – he's a tone setter, and he's a recruiter, dude. He's he's like a marketer, you know what I mean? Like, and that, that's the vibe I've gotten, dude. I saw – there's there's speculation out there that his headset's not even plugged in on, on the games, dude. He's just got the headphones on just because, oh dude. I think he's all God. about his offensive and defensive coordinators. What's up? No, I'm just saying that would be hilarious if that was true. There was one play that I noticed that you could really tell, like, he has no idea what's going on in-game. The defensive coordinator pulls the cornerback off the field because he got two personal fouls in a row. It, right. Just playing like shit. He, he's just getting toasted, and he keeps pulling the guy's face mask down, and he did it two plays in a row. So he pulls him off the field, and the defensive coordinator is chewing his ass, and, like, Dion like, goes up to the defensive coordinator and, like, puts his arms up, like, hey, man, what are you yelling at the kid for? And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you even watching the game? The kid just gave up 30 yards and penalties on back-to-back plays, and it's like Dion had no idea it even happened. Like, you just see in his face, he had no idea it even happened. The other concerning thing to me for the Colorado is, I don't know if you heard this yet, but Dion has thrown his offensive line under the bus. I saw that. no I less than get new lineman. Oh, dude, that is not good, man. When okay, so the stuff last year, me and you talked about, like whatever, is it a little shitty? Yeah, but dude, when you start doing that to current players that you wanted there. Yeah. And not to mention the other thing I saw yesterday from a Colorado fan. So Dion promised that they were going to have the best two cornerbacks in football. They had um, Travis Hunter, obviously, and then Cormani. I can't remember what his last name is. That dude can't even get on the field. Though, he's, really. He hasn't even played. And their second corner is getting roasted every game. Like, it, it's seriously like they just go into a game and they're like, well, whoever's on the field to start, that's who's going to be on the field the whole game. Like, we're not adjusting. Like, this is just what we're running out there with. And I don't know, man. I just I I was already I saw con- the comments. Yeah, I saw the uh, comments about the old one stuff. Not a fan either. I've definitely been a lot higher on Dion in Colorado so far this year than you have. Um, but it's that's just never a good mood dude he definitely threw those guys under the bus and i would say it's bad to do that in the pros i think it's kind of unforgivable to do that in college because at the end of the day these are still amateurs man i know college sports is big business but it's just not cool and i think what Dion said i know a lot of that thought probably goes around in a lot of college programs but it's it just doesn't need to be said out loud man there's no need for it yeah it's uh this is kind of I don't know. I I don't want to say that I completely thought Colorado was going to be a dumpster fire this year, but 
these last couple weeks is more of what I thought they would be. I just think it's wild that that everybody came out of the gate and thought this team was going to be like a national title contender. Like they're going to win 10, 11 games. And it's just, dude, when you completely flip a roster, some of the guys are going to mesh and some of them aren't. And that's kind of where they're at right now is like, these guys don't mesh together. Like they don't play well together. And And there's no buy-in dude. Like the whole culture they've set is it's all about individuality, which is cool. Um, but you're just never going to win long term like that. I've seen it happen at UK basketball, man. Like the the since since Coach Calipari came there with UK college basketball, like the average wins per season have gone up, but the actual tournament success hasn't been there because you're bringing in just a ton of one and duns, a bunch of mercenaries to come in and do their thing, and it's basically just a finishing school for the NBA. Um, I think Dion, what, what he's kind of doing there. And again, I'd say it's still a success for the university of Colorado. I mean, they won one game last year and the entrance level, the interest level in the program is through the roof now. Um, but I think they're kind of leaning into some of the worst aspects of what college sports kind of is nowadays. So here's my thing. Like, like I just said a little bit ago, I, I understood why they did what they did, flipping the roster, all that stuff, getting his guys in there. The thing is, is like the way Dion coaches is at Jackson State, he could just out-talent the other team. Like they didn't really have to scheme up a defense or an offense. They just out-talented the other team. Like they just knew they had better athletes. Dude, the problem is when you go out there and play Oregon, if you have better athletes, they're coached better and they have a better scheme than you have. Like that's that's all Oregon did. They just out schemed them the whole game. They knew where Colorado defenders were not going to be because everybody knows how they play and they just took advantage of it. And everyone that's played them since that game has took the exact same approach and Colorado has yet to adjust. Like there there just is no adjustments. He just thinks he's going to run out there and his kids are just going to out talent the other team. That shit don't work like that at, at big schools in college football. And the other thing is, is next year they're going to go to the Big 12. Granted, it's not going to be as good of a Big 12. But, dude, you got to put up 60 points a game to win in the Big 12. Like, there is no, like, low-scoring games in the Big 12. you got to win a 60-58 to shootout, and maybe that'll be better for them because they don't play defense at all. I mean, they have the worst defense in college football, which, good God, you got to really be doing something to have that bad of a defense. Um, But... I do think a little bit of the hype has worn off for Dion just because the way the season has progressed now. I mean, dude, now they're four and five. I seriously don't think they win another game. Or, or maybe they're four and four. Four and four, yeah. I don't think they win another game. I think they end up four and eight. They got Oregon State this week. That is not going to go well. They got to play. Still got Arizona too, right? Arizona's and, been and Arizona's playing really well. They still got Washington State, and then they got one other tough one left in there. But yeah, they need they need to win two to get to bowl eligibility, and it's not looking safe. I mean, still overall a success, but I think the you know the expectation got sky high after those first couple games. Luckily, me and Jordan were both on the right side of history. We told y'all after that big win against TCU, we said that game was probably more about TCU than it was about Colorado. And the other thing is, and yes, I'm going to wind this back up into Nebraska, but they played Nebraska at exactly the right time because Nebraska had no idea what they were doing on offense or defense when Colorado played them. Dude, I think if they played Nebraska now, Nebraska probably doesn't let them score in that game. Like, Nebraska's defense is just on another level at this point. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I even said it after the Nebraska game. I was like, they have a ton of talent, but I don't think they're a good team. I just, it just looks sloppy, man. It looks like, dude, it almost looks like high school esque, like the scheme, the the schemes. Obviously, we don't know the X and O's and what's being called, but just watching it, it looks extremely simple and sloppy what they're doing on offense and defense. Yeah, uh, I agree. The other thing I did want to bring up is, dude, Nebraska is on the verge of winning six games in a season for the first time since like 2015, being bowl eligible for the first time since 2016. Dude, I I know it it is baby steps, but dude, as someone who's watched this team for the last, well, my entire life, but the last 15 years specifically, I mean – they they got the right coach. Like Matt Rule is the right coach for that program. Yeah, he's a good college coach. Uh, Never a good fit in the NFL, but he's a good college coach. I I mean, honestly, dude, you kind of have like, I mean, luckily you got to see your team dominate, so it's cool. But you had really like the most bittersweet fan experience. Like when you're first kind of becoming like old enough to really pay attention to sports, your team is the absolute dominant powerhouse in college football. Just running through everybody's fucking face every single Saturday, dude. And then just 20 years of like dormancy, man. Basically since Eric Crouch left, it's been nothing to get excited about at Nebraska. Bro. The first Nebraska game I ever went to, they played Kansas state and they won 70 to seven. And <laughs> what year was that? It was around, I think it was early nineties. So it'd probably been 92, 93, somewhere in there. I still say Tommy Frazier is right up there with Tim Tebow, his best college football player of all time, dude. Dude was f- fucking awesome. Yeah, that run against Florida. I mean, everybody's seen it a thousand times when he breaks like 15 tackles. It's just unreal. Like watching him play in person somehow was like even better. And the craziest thing is the backup, I, you might not remember this name, but Brooke Beringer was the backup quarterback for yeah, that team. Yeah, I remember Beringer, dude. Dude. He was literally about to get drafted. He was a backup quarterback at Nebraska, but he had such a great arm. He was about to get drafted, and two days before the draft, he died in a plane crash. Like, yeah, man, just absolutely brutal. Um, but yeah, you're you're right, dude. I went from the absolute peak of, dude. When I watched football games, if they lost, like the state was like it, it just shut down the city and the state for like two days. Like everybody was just so pissed and shocked that they lost. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun watching Matt rule. Like you can tell they got the right guy. He, he definitely never lets them get down. I mean, shit, they lost four fumbles in that game on Saturday and they won 31 to 17. Like you're, you're not supposed to win games like that. And the worst part is, is the fun. The first fumble was the opening kickoff and the other team got it. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. The defense was already on the field on their own 28 yard line on the first play of the game. And they didn't give up any points. I mean, it's, impressive man he just he does not let those guys get down and he makes them play do everything the right way and it's fun to watch as a fan man like the other uh first thing matt rule said in his press conference the other day was um he heard a fan yell one more and he's like no we don't want to just win one more he's like we're playing it one game at a time but dude they want to they want to run the table and the good thing is is the big 10 west is so bad that I mean, dude, they're tied for first in the Big Ten West right now. They run the table. They got an actual chance. Granted, it's not going to go well because they're going to play Michigan or Ohio State, but they got a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship and then end up in a really good bowl game. I mean, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but, yeah, it's uh, – and this is not rules like MO either. Like, usually his first year at a new school, they win one to three games, and that's it. And then the second year is when you see the improvement, so – 
I'm encouraged, man. Yeah, I always got a soft spot for Nebraska football just because they were, you know, the kind of them, the Florida Gators, uh, Florida State, they were really the dominant powerhouses when I was first, like, really starting to become aware of the, like, really watch football. It's always one of my, like, all-time favorite sports memories. And I remember me and my dad, we stayed up um, the end of that 1993 season, the Orange Bowl. It's basically the national championship game, uh, Florida State and Nebraska and, and Florida State ended up winning 18 to 16. I know that sounds like an ugly game, but if you watch that it's game, fantastic. it was just a straight up slugfest, man. It's an awesome, awesome game. And Bobby Bowden had always, Florida State's head coach had always, you know, come so close, but just missed out on winning the national championship. And they finally got it. And yeah, it was just, it was just a fun game. You know, I wasn't really a hardcore fan of either team. So it was great just watching some awesome football. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Nebraska have a big resurgence. Yeah. I hope it happens because. It'd be good for college football. I mean, I'm not saying they're ever going to get back to what they were, but it'd just be fun to see them top 25 ranked on a on a weekly basis and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, we'll stop with the college football talk. The last thing we always talk about in this segment is the race to number one. Holy shit, the Panthers won a football game. <laughs> I still think, you know, I think that that was the Texans just laid an egg. Uh, I think they're the better team than the Panthers, but they won. I still, I still say the Panthers are going to gift wrap the Bears, the uh, the top pick in the draft. Dude, the craziest thing. Okay, so we were just talking about the Cardinals. Now they have the number one pick, right? As of right now, they have the number one pick. Dude, why the fuck would you not trade Kyler Murray at this point? Like, dude, just tank out the season and get Caleb Williams. Like, I don't think Kyler wants to be there is the first thing. Like, this yeah. is his third head coach, his third offensive coordinator. Like, there's something to be said about just being like, hey, man, if somebody wants to take on this contract, maybe it's just a good time for us to reset. So it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to happen, but I do think it would be a win-win for all parties involved if an interested team took over Kyler Murray because I think he could still ball but yeah you're right there's already just been a lot of just a lot of trouble there in Arizona so far yeah I agree that's all I got all right let's get into UniWatch Before we get into some of the fashion choices of the week, Jordan, what are you drinking as we pod tonight? All right, man. It's the night before Halloween. You know I'm going full on pumpkin tonight. So I went with uh first one I drank was a shipyard smashed pumpkin. It's an ale, really good. Um it's not sweet at all. It's just it's in your face, so I'll give them that. And then the second one I'm drinking is a wild onion brewery pumpkin ale as well. So I went with two pumpkin beers. I mean you got to enjoy them, man. These are the last two days, and then uh, Wednesday hits, and everything turns into Christmas. So just got to enjoy these last two days of uh, fall. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Wild Onion Brewery. They got some good yeah. stuff, man. I'm drinking the hard stuff again tonight. Uh, you know, we potted for Chick Foley show last night. I'm keeping it going. I'm drinking some of the uh, Dead Man Fingers and oh. uh, KFC rum. I'm doing a double with Coca-Cola and lime, so... Uh, we'll see how good I, I get through my picks, man. I'll go ahead and put that down as a caveat. If I end up losing on picks this week that, uh, I got a little bit heavier buzz going than usual. Hey, a quick, um, update, so we got quick update. Detroit's kicker just missed a field goal and now he's hurt. 
<laughs> adding an injury to insult, dude. Uh, but still, the Lions are about to be 6-2. and two. I don't know if I've ever been able to say that in my lifetime. I'll need to go back and check the stats. Yeah, it's been a long time. All right, we got three throwbacks and one alternate to discuss this week. So we'll start off uh, the previously discussed Titans. Rock those beautiful uh, Oilers uh, jerseys. The love you blue with the red. It just hits, man. There's a ton uh, on Titan social media. Everybody's already been kind of going into the graphic design bag and redoing the Titans current logo to just match those colors and make make that uniform perfect. I mean, they played like a million bucks and they look they looked the part yesterday. Yeah, those unis are awesome. How much did you did you see much of like a a lot of like the Texans people and JJ Watt and stuff were talking about this, how this should be a Texans alternate, not a Titans alternate, which I saw that dude. And I get it. I mean, dude, you got to remember the Titans were the Oilers for three years. Um, when they're after they moved to Tennessee, they were the Tennessee Oilers for three years. They were kind of nomads. They played in Memphis, uh, in the Liberty bowl for three years before the stadium was ready up in Nashville. Um, so the, the Tennessee Oilers was a thing. I actually saw them play against the Dallas Cowboys in Texas stadium as a kid. And it it was some memorable years, you know, that's Steve McNair, Eddie George on those teams. So it wasn't like, you know, just a forgettable period. It was three whole years. So I I think the Titans got a rightful claim to it, man. What about you? Oh my God, dude. Garoppolo is so bad. This dude is just wide open. Dude, that's twice tonight. He's missing for a touchdown. Good God. Um, yeah, I, I, I like them. And I, dude, I get Houston's gripe about it. Like it'd be like the Ravens coming out and wearing Baltimore Colts stuff one weekend. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's just, I get it. I, I definitely get it. So, um, yeah, but the, the unis themselves are incredible. I mean, I've always loved those. I don't know why they ever changed, honestly. Dude, that was a super just aesthetically pleasing game. The Falcons rocked their really gorgeous black jerseys also like, I just thought that was just a very, very visually pleasant game to watch as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. All right, and then we had the Dolphins rocking their all-white throwbacks. Like, that's another one, dude. Like, just what go back to doing? the throwbacks permanently, man. Yeah. Like, the I don't think the Dolphins' current uniforms are bad just because their color scheme's so nice, but they, those jerseys just looked fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, what what are we doing, dude? Just give us what everyone wants. These are the, like yes. some of the best you un- Dude, I forgot how awesome these were with that Dolphins logo. These are like some of the cleanest jerseys in the NFL. Yes, man. It's like you t- dude, you take those old school like super bold colors and logos with, you know, the current Nike like design tweaks and just like the different cuts of the jerseys, you know what I mean? It just looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it's uh pretty incredible. And same thing with the Seahawks, dude. How money did the Seahawks look yesterday? Dude, the fact that it took them this long to break those back out, I just... Those are gorgeous, dude. It looks super unique, super bold color scheme. And I do think the Seahawks have one of the better, like, 2010 and later, like, jersey designs. But still, man, like... They looked awesome yesterday. Like, dude, just the the 90s are back in anyways. Like, let's just, I mean, what if the NFL just said, like, we're going to do next season's going to be, you know, 90s throwbacks all season. Like, who who votes no on that? Uh, I would hope no one. I, and I, then I, we had one yeah. alternate tonight, the Lions and the All Grays. I thought these were pretty clean, man. Yeah, they look good. Um, they actually look better on field than I thought on, like, the mannequin, so. Yeah. Same. We kind of panned these when we were doing our our, our our uniform preview at the start of the year. Yeah, but I thought 
I thought these look nice with that bright blue helmet. They got the alternate logo on there. Yeah, I think the the Lions are playing good and looking good tonight. Yep. All right, you ready to get into our picks? Absolutely. All right, Jordan, tell us how we did on the picks last week. All right, so we had another even week, Seth. Um, with this game tonight, we're both going to go 10-6 and six this week. Um, the, the games that we differed on, we had four games that we differed on, and that's what ended up making us tied. So you took the Steelers. I took the Jags. Um, I took... I took Cleveland, you took Seattle. Um, I took San Francisco, you took Cincinnati, and I took the Chargers, and you took the Bears for unknown reasons. Still don't understand what the <laughs> hell you were thinking there. <laughs> All right, my goal for this week is to get through the entire segment without forgetting to make a pick. I had somebody reach out and give me some shit that every single week, I, there's like one or two games I just forget to make a pick before we move on to the next game, so... That's my goal, man. We'll start off Thursday night. Really big game, or really interesting game, I guess. Uh, not necessarily a big game. We got the three and four Titans with the you know the hottest quarterback in the league, Will Levis, going up against Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. Uh, was there any injury updates on Kenny Pickett today? I didn't see anything. I know he left the game early yesterday, and Trubisky had to finish. Nope, but they already announced Mika Fitzpatrick's not playing for their defense, so that's really all I needed to see for this week because the Steelers are not good even with Pickett on the field, and if their defense is banged up at all, they're in trouble. I'm not shading the Steelers, dude. I think I think this has all the makings of an absolute letdown game. The hype for the Titans and Will Levis cannot be any higher. I'm just I think I'm going to just guarantee myself the win-win situation. I'm picking the Steelers to win this one, dude. And I will be more than happy if the Titans end up getting the dub. But I think the I think the Steelers get it done on a short week. I'm taking the Titans just on a matter of they're going to ground it into a, a ugly game and that's just they can do that better than anybody. So I'm going with them just based on that. And if Mitch Trubisky is starting for the Steelers, uh Best of luck, bud. Did you see the report that a deal was in place early this morning for the Ravens to trade for Derrick Henry yeah. and the Titans owner vetoed it? Yep, I did see that. I love that, dude. Sometimes you need somebody who's not so close to the fame, close to the flame to just step in and be like, you know what? Fuck that. We're not trading this guy. We're talking about the same guy who went ahead and okayed the trade for AJ Brown just so we're uh just so everyone who's playing the home game. Well, I, you know, I got to correct you. The Titans got a female owner, dude. Amy Strunk is the owner for the uh, Titans. She's the, they they got a kind of a conglomerate that's owning it, but she's the one that's in charge. So it was actually a, uh, a female this time stepping in and saying, nah, we're, we're keeping King Henry. Well, hopefully it works out better than the last trade. I mean, I'm kind of torn, dude. I feel like the Titans still got a chance to compete for a wild card spot. Um, assuming this Will Levis thing is legit, but also Derrick Henry's a free agent after this year so why not get something for him while you can because Tajay Spears is really damn good but at the same time dude I think there's something to be said for just letting icons finish out their time on the team you know I mean Derrick Henry that obviously no Super Bowl wins but it's been a hell of a run for the Titans the last four or five years uh so I, I think there's some value in just keeping Derrick Henry on the team regardless yeah there's nothing wrong with it 
All right, up next, we're heading to Germany. This is like a, probably one of the top 10 uh, most hyped games of the NFL season, and it's going to be kicking off at 8.30 Central Time, 7.30 Eastern. We got the Dolphins and the Chiefs in Germany. Dude, it sounds like the Dolphins are going to have a full roster this weekend outside of HN. Um, they're getting Xavier Howard back on defense, so they're going to have Howard and um, Jalen Ramsey, and you know Jalen Ramsey's going to take Kelsey. So I'm going Dolphins, man, dude. I just, again, I talked about it earlier, in a game where you're going to have to outscore the other team, I just trust the Dolphins' offense more than I do the Chiefs right now. <sighs> I'm going Chiefs, dude. I just I feel like the Dolphins, every time they've stepped up in weight class, they got slapped back down. And I don't see the Chiefs losing two straight, man. That's still a damn good team, regardless of how they looked in Denver on Sunday. I mean, we're in Denver, high altitude. Mahomes got the flu. I don't think they were at their best. Uh, and Denver was playing. You know, that's probably going to end up being Denver's biggest game of the season. Um, I think the Chiefs get it done. Good. We're, we're having some different picks this week. I, I like that. Another damn good game, dude. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one in the early window on Sunday. We got Geno and the Seahawks traveling to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. You can pick first on this one. I'm going Ravens strictly off home field advantage, man. I think these two teams are pretty damn close, but I think the home field is enough for the Ravens this week out a tough win. I think the it, they got Vegas has got the Ravens installed as a five and a half point favorite as of right now. I think the Ravens win, but don't cover. Dude, Seattle never does well with these cross uh, country flights. They never. And it's play an early well. start, dude. Yeah, if it was a th- if it was a three o'clock start, I'd give them a little bit more credit. But th- yeah, they've always struggled. Yeah, I'm going Ravens as well. All right, one and seven Cardinals heading into Cleveland uh, to face the Browns. I think the Browns get a much needed easy win right here, man. The Browns have had, they have really freaked, I mean, they have fought, scrapped, and scratched to get to four and three. I think they get a little bit of a, a reprieve this week and get an easy win to go to five and three. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I don't care who's playing quarterback for the Browns this week. They're not allowing the Cardinals with Joshua Dobbs to come in there and beat them. Their, their defense alone will win them that game. Tricky one right here, man. The three and four Bucks traveling to Houston to face the three and four Texans. Dude, I do not love what I've seen from the Bucks the past three weeks. I just, I, I know you think that they're they're a decent team. I just don't see it, dude. I, I don't. They're coming back down to earth. Yeah, I think we're seeing more of what they're truly what their level is the last couple weeks. And I, I don't like what the Texans just did, but I got a feeling they're not going to play two games in a row like that. So I'm going to go with Houston. I think they bounce back too, man. Rookie quarterbacks, especially, tend to perform much better at home than on the road. I think we see it this week, and the uh, and, and the Texans get the win. Do you got to mention the Lions just closed out against the Raiders? Nice, solid, workmanlike performance, twenty six to uh, fourteen, and the the Lions are at six and two now. Yep. All right, we got the two and six Bears traveling down to New Orleans to face the Saints. I think the Saints win to become the absolute worst five and four team in NFL history. Yeah, as much as I don't like picking the Saints, dude, the Bears are so bad, man. They they're just not good. It's just that Raiders game gave people some hope, including Seth thinking they were going to beat the Chargers. I, they're they're not good, man. The Bears are bad. All right, the four and four Vikings. 
heading to Atlanta to face the four and four, you know, Falcons under a ton of turmoil. I think the Falcons get it together, and regardless of who's a quarterback at a Ritter or Heineke, I think they get the win this week to go to five and four. Dude, it, I'm telling you right now, I'm picking them this week. If they lose this game to a team that really doesn't even have a quarterback or a number one wide receiver, they deserve to be banished from the NFL, and they better fucking <laughs> – no, they better fire Arthur Smith if they lose this game. This is a game you have to win. I I do not care how you get there, who you play. You have to win this game. Like, this is a must-win game. They should get relegated and just start rolling the Bulldogs in there on Sundays. They have to win this game. There, there's – I, I don't do this much, but dude, if, if they don't win this game, my faith in everything the Falcons have done over the last three years is going to be completely shot. Because I felt like dude. they built built a good roster, like they've built a good enough. I, roster. They got an awesome roster. Aside from QB, the roster is fucking nice, dude. I, I just, I you cannot lose a game like this, dude. You, everyone saw that press conference yesterday when O'Connell came to the podium after they realized. Kirk Cousins was gone for the season. That looked like a team that just got beat by 70 points, not a team that just came off a win. They are going to be so down for that game this week. Next week, I think they'll be fine, but this week, they're they're not going to play well this weekend. There's just no way. The only thing I worry about is just if they're rolling in there, like, fuck it, we got nothing to lose, dude. You know what I mean? I mean, both of these teams do have a lot to lose, though, is the problem. Right, but I mean, just like you know, there's zero. There's still expectations on the Falcons. I feel like the expectations have gone to zero for the Vikings at this point. Yeah, I get it. I'm still picking Falcons, though. All right, uh, possible toilet bowl of the week. We got the three and five Rams traveling to Green Bay to face the two and five Packers. I think the Rams win. Jordan Love looked decent the the first few weeks of the season, but it seems like once once D coordinators got a got a few a uh, few tapes uh, a few game tapes on him that the bottom is really just falling out green bay's really struggled it's kind of crazy man this is really like the first time in damn near 30 years we're seeing green bay really hit rock bottom like this i think uh, i think the rams win on sunday up in lambo they're a very very bad team um and jordan love is a very very bad quarterback it not not a good recipe for success. I think the Rams bounce back this week. I, I agree with you. I got the Rams. Here's a tricky one, man. Uh, I'm letting you go first on this one. We got the three and five Washington Commanders who played the Eagles within a, an inch of their life on Sunday, going up to face the two and six Patriots in Foxborough. Vegas has got New England as a three point favorite going in. How do you see this one going? Um, I. I I think the commanders are about to unload some players tomorrow. I think it's coming. I think they're one of the teams that are selling hard. Um, Yeah, they played them tough yesterday, but I mean, that game was a 14 point game. They scored a touchdown with like three minutes left. Like I, I I do not like the commanders at all. Like they're just, their team is not good and they're about to trade a bunch of people away. I'm going. Did you see Sam house? stat line though dude he, he balled freaking... out he balled out but i i the patriots 397 yards four touchdowns i just find it really hard to believe that bill belichick's just gonna let sam howell roll into new england and beat him though i'm i'm going pats yeah i agree man i think the commanders have played better than the patriots so far this season but close matchup like this when in doubt i still got faith in belichick at this point and yeah i think the patriots win to get to get to three and six yep all right, we got the three and five Colts 
heading into Carolina to face the resurgent Panthers at one and six. This is another tricky one, dude. I think I'm going to go Panthers, man. I think the Panthers build off of last week. Gardner Minshew got, he played tough, dude, but he got banged around a lot yesterday. Uh, well, we know our good friend Hawk from Turnbuckle Tavern is going to be um, in the stands. And it seems like more times than not, when Hawk's in the building, the Colts fall flat. So I think Hawk makes that trip all the way to Charlotte and has a long, sad drive back home because the Panthers win. Dude, I. The Panthers did win yesterday, but I feel like that was more of what Houston didn't do more than it was of what the Panthers did do. I still think the Colts are a better team than the Panthers. I'm going to go Colts. I agree. I just, I think the Colts are a better overall team and I feel like Jonathan Taylor is going to have a day. So yeah, I'm going Colts. Yeah. Colts are two and a half point favorites. I, to me, this is, you know, almost, I'm, I'm kind of just going gut feeling on this one. I agree with you. The Colts are definitely a better team, but it just seems like the, the, the kind of, the, the lights really starting to flicker for the Colts this season and the Panthers, it's, I wouldn't want to say it's a throwaway year, but I feel like the Panthers, like this year's just all about developing Bryce Young and seeing what you got on the team. And I can see them coming out and putting together a, uh, a spirited effort, man. It's going to be a late afternoon game, three Oh five down there in Charlotte kickoff down there in Charlotte. So I see them being fired up for that one and getting a win two and six giants going up against the three and five Raiders in, in Las Vegas. Sounds like Danny dimes is going to play this week. Um, I'm going giants. The Raiders are so bad. Dude, if Tyrod Taylor was playing, I would pick the Giants, but I think the Raiders get the win here, man. Danny, you know, Danny Dives has been awful this year. Tyrod Taylor was a lot better, but obviously, you know, he had to end the game in a hospital uh, last last week, and you know, the Devito guy that came in was absolutely horrible. Uh, I don't got a ton of faith in in uh, Daniel Jones coming in off an of injury. I think Raiders get get the ugly win and get to four and five. All right. All right, in Philly, man, this is definitely the aside from the the Chiefs Dolphins. This is uh, another one of the big games for the week. We got the Dallas Cowboys traveling in to face the seven and one Eagles. I think the Eagles get it done. I think it's going to be typical Eagles fashion. I don't think it's overly impressive, but I think they just outlast them and just physically wear down the Cowboys. And end up getting the win here. I was encouraged by a lot of things Dallas did yesterday, but. I just think the Eagles are just a better overall team, honestly. Dude, I just in the trenches, man. They're just killers, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm going Eagles as well. All right. Another really, really exciting game. This has been a little bit of a, a big rivalry over the last season, of the last year and a half. We got the Bills traveling into Cincy on Sunday night football. I think the Bengals win, man. I think the Bengals kind of got the Bills number, dude. I, I I'll go ahead and double down, make the big prediction. I think the Bengals win this one, and I think the Bills end up finally getting over the hump and beating the Bengals in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going Bengals as well. I don't I, – I still don't love where the Bills are at right now. I, I think they'll be okay in the long run, but I don't love where they're at right now, and I just think the Bengals are playing at such a high level. All right, Monday Night Football, the 3-4 and four Chargers heading in to face the 4-3 and three Jets. I think the Jets win another crazy-ass game, dude. I think – I think it's an ugly game. I think we have, you know, some fumbles, some defensive touchdowns, somehow or another. I think the Jets scrape out of there with a win to get to five and three. Yeah, I'm going Jets as well. Um, my confidence level is about a, uh, I would say a four out of ten. Just because. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either way. Just because uh, one team has 
<laughs> Justin Herbert and the other has Zach Wilson. So I'm never going to put my full faith in Zach Wilson, but um, yeah, I'll go Jets. All right, let's get into million dollar bets. Uh huh, yeah. All right, how'd we do last week, Jordan? Dude, I don't think you realize how big that Lions game just was for you. Um, so I'll, I'll give my mine first. Uh, I had Texans Panthers over 43 and a half, not even close. And then I had the Jets minus two and a half. Went just as I planned, one by three. So I'm, <laughs> I'm eight and eight on the season, and I'm minus 100,000. Seth had the Texans minus two and a half for 50K. Obviously, did not happen. And then Seth had the Lions minus eight for 100K to bring Seth to eight and eight on the season and minus 175K. Dude, you lose that game tonight, you're minus (laughs) $375,000. So you're still up on the season money-wise, right? Yep, I'm still up $75,000 on you for this. All right, so first off, I will start off with the bank. I'm going a little bit more conservative this week, man. I'm going to chip away at Jordan's lead to end up on top in the season. I'm putting 25K on the Bengals covering... Uh, the three-point spread against the the Bills. Okay. Bengals, they plus or minus three, Seth? They're minus three. 25K on the Bengals, minus three against the Bills. Okay. Um, I am going 25K on the Dolphins, plus two and a half. Nice, dude, because I'm going 50K on the Chiefs, minus two and a half. Nice. It's gonna be a serious swing game, dude. I think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs end up beating them by about ten, thirteen. All right, Chiefs minus two and a half for fifty k. Fifty k. Yep. Okay. And then my second one, I am going uh, Cowboys Eagles over forty six and a half for fifty k. I just I think there's gonna be a all right. Are you getting some listener mail? Yeah, absolutely. And get it pulled up. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. Facebook got rid of like the the featured postings. So now it's like a real pain ass pulling these up. All right. So a handful. All right. So John Swallow says, What's your favorite college and pro rivals rivalries to watch? I'll start with college, dude. My favorite's still Tennessee and Alabama. Always loved that. Even before I was a straight up Tennessee native, man. Third Saturday in October ton of great games over the years. You know, during the Nick Saban years, it's really been one-sided. But prior to that, there were a ton of years where Tennessee ended up spoiling some Alabama national championship runs. So my favorite college rivalry, I'll go Bama-Tennessee. How about you, Jordan? Uh, I'm going to go Nebraska and Oklahoma. Surprise, surprise. Um, I grew up on that, and that was uh, that was my shit. So, yeah, that's that'll always be my favorite rivalry, even though they don't play every year anymore. For pro, I got a feeling we're going to have the same thing. I go Falcon Saints, dude. It's been so many classic battles over the years. Like, it seems like that's one of those games that no matter what the records are coming in, it's always a pretty decent game. And there's a ton of vitriol between both the players and the fans. It seems like, you know, a lot of times rivalries, especially in the NFL, are something only the fans give a shit about. But it seemed like the players were really invested in the Falcon Saints rivalry over the years. So that was the one that was always a ton of fun to watch. Yep, I'm going the exact same. We hate them. They hate us. Like, it's just, it, it, it'll never be a pleasant rivalry. We, It's always going to be ugly. All right, Zach Hertzer says, after seven weeks or so of football, what teams are serious contenders and what teams are pretenders? So 
What do what do you want to each man, Jordan? Who's your number one, the contender you're most confident in right now? Uh, I'm gonna go Eagles. I just think, dude, if you look at the top of the AFC, because I'm I got it pulled up here. I mean, out of those four top four seeds, like who are you like extremely confident in right now? Like they all have their issues. Um, I just think the Eagles are the most complete team. And like you said, they control the line of scrimmage and that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Not to be boring, but I a hundred percent agree. I think even though they've been a little bit, you know, they haven't been super duper impressive with their actual, like, you know, game by game results so far. Um, I think the success they've had is the most repeatable man, like dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. That's always going to, that that's going to put you ahead of the curve and damn near every single Sunday. So I agree. I think the, the Eagles are the strongest contender um, for my pretender, dude, I'm going dolphins, man. The offenses look sick. I hate to say it. Cause I love what they're doing. They're a super fun team to watch, but if you just look every time they've stepped up the difficulty level, they've gotten smacked down and, the style of play that they've had historically, it has not translated to, you know, January football. So I still think I'd love to be proven wrong on this, but I still see the dolphins being a big threat to go like one and done in the playoffs. I'm going Jacksonville. I think this is the most overrated six and two football team of all time. They are not good. I mean, they're good, but they are not like, top of the AFC good and they're right now they're they're tied for first in the AFC well they're behind the Chiefs obviously because they lost to them but they're not good man I I might go ahead I've watched them play no less than four times and I've never come away from their game thinking man that's an impressive football team no I feel that my one thing with the Jags I agree with you they're definitely they're not is they are not as good as like a six and two team but I think it's Trevor Lawrence really kind of willing this team to victories, dude. I think, you know, his stats don't necessarily show it, but if you look at some of the plays he's making, Trevor Lawrence is balling out. And I think that's something that does translate to January. So that's why I still got a little bit higher hopes for the Jags come playoff time uh, right. than Jordan. But, All right. I got, but we'll see, man. I got one for you. They Let's say they win the AFC North, and let's just say either the Dolphins or the Bills end up with the five seed and they play Jacksonville round one. Who you got? I think they would beat the Dolphins. I think they lose to the Bills. I'm I'm still as much as as bad as that four and three record looks. I'm still very very confident, dude, that Josh Allen is going to be playing in the Super Bowl this season. Well, they're five and three, but either way, um, same. You know I, I, mean. I think Jacksonville gets destroyed by either one of those teams. Honestly, I don't think they even have a game against either one of those teams. Just my personal opinion. Fair enough, yeah. And one it's of those been shaky teams, for sure. One of those teams is going to end up as the five seed in the AFC, so not good. All right, Phil Dunnett, our friend in the UK, says, is this shit still going on? Yes, dude, and I agree with Sam Rosenthal, who replied to you and said, NFL is better than pretty much any soccer game. Yeah, I would watch the crappiest NFL game over the most hyped-up soccer game possible. Phil just come to the dark side and actually watch like a real man sport or fuck man. I can't say that cause they have rugby over there. Fuck. <laughs> he also says, how can a team be world champ if they don't play anyone outside America? I mean, I would say that you could put together the, 
absolute best 53-man roster outside of the United States of America players, and whatever team wins the Super Bowl would beat them. I would probably say that whichever team wins the college football national championship would <laughs> I was going to say, them. Super Bowl, like the Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL right now, and I'm pretty sure they would paste any team outside of the U.S., yeah, I did like the it's a different the level, level of skill on an NFL team is ridiculous. I, I had a friend way back in the day that used to argue that like the college football national champion team would beat the the worst team in the NFL. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand, dude. Even like the absolute best college football team, maybe a third of those players are actually going to stick in the NFL as players. You know, like the the level of play in the NFL was just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think. OK, so here's the thing is, I don't think people understand how hard it is just to get to the NFL. Like, yes, dude, dude the amount of population there is in this entire world and then the amount of players that play in the NFL. Like, dude, you're part of like the top point zero 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 one percent in the world. Like, yes, I'm man. telling you right think, now, like, like, dude, if if you took if let's just say for argument's sake, you took the Eagles and played uh all-star team of all the world's best players. The Eagles are winning that game by 90 points. Like I, yes, man, they're going to score dude. every time they touch the ball. Just think pretty much anybody that's playing division one college football. It was probably the best player on their football team from like peewee all through high school. And even then it's a very, very slim fraction of those players that actually make it to the NFL, bro. Let's remind let's remind everyone in 2028 the Olympics are in the United States and they are doing flag football and the NFL is absolutely encouraging the players to play. I'm telling you, you watch what that US team does to people just in flag football. They're going to throw Tyreek <laughs> Hill, Jamar uh, Chase and Justin Jefferson out on the wing and have uh Mahomes just lobbing up balls to him and they're yeah, going to score dude. every play like Dude, I don't think people realize like how good the We're NFL so is. We're so far ahead of the curve on this. Yeah, man. Like, I, dude, I always go back. Uh, so going back to basketball, you remember people used to hate on Brian Scalabrini, right? Because he's just like the white mom, white dude with like a totally average build, right? Does not look impressive physically at all. And I remember people would just talk cash shit on him. And it was a Boston radio station. They actually let three fans yeah. play him one on one. He beat the combined score of the three games was 30 to one. Like one person got one bucket on him. Like he just straight up dominated him. Like if you're making it to that level in pro sports, you are an absolute incredible at your craft. Yeah, it's the dumbest argument ever. All right. One last question. Our good buddy Sam Rosenthal also says, how are your fantasy teams doing? I'll let you guys know straight up for me. The less said, the better. I'm actually having probably my worst fantasy football performance of all time. Jordan, I'll let you take it away, man. How are you doing with your mix of teams this year? Um, So it, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me. I mean, I'm in a lot of leagues. I'm I'm five and three in my, as Seth hates that I say this, my big money league. Like it, it just is. I've been in this league for 18 years or something like that. And uh, I'm five and three. I'm in, tied for second place right now. Um, the Chick Foley League. God, I think my team's bad. Oh, I'm four and four. I won this week, so four and four, not bad. And then um, the other ones, I'm five and three, and um, I'm four and four in Seth's league. And yeah, it's just been kind of a mixed bag this year. It's been a weird year of fantasy football. I mean, a lot of the guys that I thought were going to be really good either are hurt or just are not performing. So I don't know. It's weird. 
All right, so that is a wrap for week eight of the goal line. Uh, after next week, we'll officially be over 50% complete for the NFL oh. regular season. It's flown by, huh, dude? I hate it, dude. Like, it just it's feels, like, so quick, it feels like we just started this podcast. And then, uh, like I said earlier about college only having four regular season games left, just wild, man. Yeah, it, it, football season does it just flies by, man. Like it seems like you go from the uh, fall, fall just seems like it gets shorter and shorter every year. I don't know if it's global warming or just us getting older and our perception of it, man. But it feels like fall lasts like three weeks. Like we gotta, it's gonna be thirty two degrees in the morning tomorrow here, man. So we went straight from we had summer and then like a, you know a couple weeks of a nice nice fall and it's already freaking freezing, dude. So. But we're going to keep bringing you guys the heat every single week, rest of the year. Uh, Jordan hits with some closing thoughts, and we will get out of here for this uh, Halloween Eve episode of The Goal Line. Yeah, this week we're just going to keep it simple. I hope uh, everybody enjoys their Halloween, your little trick-or-treaters if you have them. Have a great night. And, hey, man, remember, if uh, a teenager comes to your door, it's better off that you're giving him candy and he's doing this than doing other things that he could be doing. So just always remember that. My eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match from my laboratory.